Take your Bible this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, as we continue in this series on authentic Christianity, we've entered into the New Testament and we're exploring the blessed life, the blessed life that comes from the word that we see repeated nine times here in chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are the meek, and on and on this word blessed. This is a sermon that Jesus is preaching on the Mount of Beatitudes. You can still go there today to this very spot. It's beautiful. It's one of my favorite places in the Holy Land, uh, one of the most incredible places to study God's Word, to pray, to be together. Uh, when Miranda and I are able to go together, that is our favorite place to go together as a husband and wife uh, to the Mount of Beatitudes. There's such a personal connection uh, to the Lord Jesus there. This is his first sermon that we have access to in our scripture, and it's a powerful sermon that he preached. And we talked about it last Sunday. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time reviewing, but it is important that you understand the word blessed. We talked about that in detail Sunday Uh, We talked about how that word blessed is applied to the Christian life, how this uh, beatitude set of principles that Jesus is teaching and preaching applies only to people who are saved. This that Jesus is talking about here, this belongs to people who belong to him. This belongs to the children of God. The world does not have access to this word blessed. We took that word blessed, we researched it in the Greek, the word is makarios, that word means inward satisfaction, inward contentment, inward happiness. So we're taking that word blessed, we understand that Jesus was concerning himself with your happiness. That's one of the first things, the first thing that Jesus is talking about in a 10,000 foot overview of this sermon, he's concerning himself with happiness. Thank the Lord that Jesus is concerned with our happiness, that I can be happy. Obviously, heaven will be the ultimate happiness, the ultimate satisfaction, the ultimate antithesis of everything being a Christian is. But while I'm on this earth waiting for heaven, Jesus said, you still have an opportunity through and by the divine nature of God to be happy. We talked about how the nature of God, the divine nature of God is happy. There are many verses in the Old Testament, especially where God describes himself as a happy God. Our God is happy. He is satisfied in himself. He is happy in himself. That's part of who God is. And we talked about how that divine nature, although it is divine and although it is part of who God is, uh, how does that apply to my life? So God is who he is, but what does that have to do with me and how I can look at life? Well, in 2 Peter 1 verse 4, it's explained to us, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is the world through lust. Uh, The Bible is clear that people who belong to God, Christians, saved people who are in the faith 
are partakers in the divine nature. That is part of being saved. That's part of the indwellment of the Holy Spirit is that those nature of that nature of God that he describes of himself to be happy is something that I can partake in even now that I can be happy. And what Jesus is talking about is a new lifestyle. This is a new way of living. Now, how can I be happy in a still pandemic crazed world? How can I be happy when things are so divided? How can I be happy when there's more racial tension right now than there ever has been? He made it very clear that this happiness, this satisfaction, this inward contentment cannot be tied to anything in this world. Money will not make you happy at the end of the day. The best job in the world can't satisfy what Jesus can do in your heart. And when your happiness, your satisfaction, your inward contentment that Pastor Nathan was talking about Wednesday night, all of that has to be tied to the person of Jesus Christ and his divine nature. That's what Jesus is offering here in this word, blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, we find in Matthew 5 verse number three. So we have to understand the word blessed before we can go on to these qualifiers of who the blessed are, the happy, content, satisfied people are. But we have to make it abundantly clear on the onset that this is only for people who are saved. This is part of the life, the new life, the new man that lives on the inside. Above the ebb and flow of this life, above even the ebb and flow of bad doctor's reports, above the ebb and flow of political unrest, above the ebb and flow of even family turmoil is the happiness, satisfaction, and contentment of God. Even couples, married people who God has put together. Miranda and I love each other more than life itself. We find a lot of satisfaction and contentment and happiness being together. But at the end of the day, all of my hope and satisfaction and pleasure and happiness cannot come from being married to Miranda. There is tons of that there. There is a different level of happiness and satisfaction in having a wife that loves God and having a wife that loves me. But at the end of the day, I cannot get all of my satisfaction, all of my completion, all of what I need for this life out of Miranda. And vice versa, she can love me, she can adore being with me, she can just be so thrilled to spend moments of bliss and glee and happiness with her husband. Amen. But at the end of the day, Mark, that's not going to be everything Miranda needs for her satisfaction, her contentment, and her happiness. You see, I'm a man. I'm, I'm flesh. I can fail her. I can break her heart. I can say things at the wrong time that rob her of that satisfaction, contentment, and happiness. Amen? All right. So we know what the word blessed is. Makarios. Blessed are, and then we're going to go into the qualifiers of these people who are blessed. Now, we come to the beginning of this Sermon on the Mount. The first verse here that becomes read on our pages, the words of Jesus, Matthew 5, we've already read it once, verse 3. But blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray and then we'll continue. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this blessed Lord's day that you've given us. God, to be together, Lord, and to study your word. God, to worship you. I thank you 
for the sweet presence that's already been in our service today, for the service at eight o'clock this morning for our Bible study classes. God, what we have already experienced today is the goodness, the grace, and the mercy of a God who loves his people. And for that, we are so thankful. Now, Father, for a few minutes, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. God, that you would use the word of God to penetrate hearts and minds. And that, Father, today, that every man, every woman, every teenager, young adult, everyone watching online in the e-church, God, that today through your word, the power of the Holy Spirit, that we will leave this day different than the way we started this day. Lord, we worship you in spirit and in truth. God, I ask, Lord, that you would use your word. In Jesus' name, we all pray together. Amen. And amen. As you investigate the Beatitudes, as you read these yourself, you will find that these words that Jesus is using almost seems to be a paradox. Blessed are the poor. It almost doesn't make sense. But let me remind you that that is not a mistake. It's not a paradox. Jesus is saying exactly what he means, and he means exactly what he is saying. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You've got to keep in mind that the word blessed, makarios, that this is a definitive statement. Stay with me on this because it will bless you greatly. This word that Jesus is using, blessed, makarios, it's a definitive statement. This is not a maybe. This is not a possibility. Jesus is using this as a definitive, authoritative, declarative statement that this is so. Now, in the reciprocal, in the opposite of that word, there is another word in the Bible you need to pay attention to. We'll come back to this one other day, but you need to see the contrast. That word in Greek is O-I, U-I. Now, you'll have to forgive me. My Spanish likes to take over my Greek, and a lot of times my Spanish will sound like an order at El Chapala. But it, my Greek will sound like an order from El Chapala, but that word there is U-I, and it's spelt O-U-A-I, U-I. That is the polar opposite of Makarios. Makarios is blessed, happy, satisfied, content. This other word, this contrast, the polar opposite, U-I, it means the woe. It actually means cursed. It's the polar opposite of blessed. So here where Jesus is saying blessed is the blessed are the poor in spirit. Later on, you'll read Jesus saying woe to these people. He'll use it to the Pharisees. He says, woe unto you. These are polar opposites, but they mean something so declarative, so definitive and later you'll see that that opposite, it really is important as it pertains to what he said to those Pharisees when he did not use the word makarios, but he used the word uai. These are definite statements. You can take this to the bank. This is not a maybe. You have to understand that these statements are not suggestions. These are the words of Christ. And anytime we see a statement that's that strong, that it's that declarative, especially coming from the mouth of our Lord and Savior, Christians, if you're a Christian here today, please raise your right hand. If you're a Christian today, even my folks there in the back rows, raise your hand if you're a Christian. Amen. You can put it down. Now, this is for you. Anytime that Jesus Christ makes a declarative statement, those of us who follow him as Christians should probably pay great attention to what he's saying. Blessed are, not maybe, not if, 
Blessed are, happy, satisfied, content, inwardly are the poor in spirit. Now, you can ask, and it would make sense to ask, why did Jesus begin his sermon with poverty? Why would he start this very important, very earth-shattering, defining sermon that literally is changing redemptive history as we know it, verse by verse, word by word? Why would he begin with poverty? Why would he say the first thing, that you would be poor in spirit? It's because that that poverty of spirit, this poor in spirit that he is speaking of, is the fundamental uh, place to start in Christianity. That's where becoming a Christian starts, poor in spirit. It's the very first thing that happens in the life of anyone who becomes a Christian, who gets saved. It's the first thing. You cannot come to Christ on the basis of pride. You'll never be able to come to Jesus on your own terms, in your own way. That's pride. That's arrogance. The first place when you get saved, the Holy Spirit convicts you, you confess sin, and you say, Jesus, become Lord of my life. The Holy Spirit of God moves in, the new man, the regeneration, all of that that happens in one instant, salvation. When that happens, the moment that that happens, there had to be a place where you became poor in spirit. You realized who you were. You realized you couldn't do it on your own and you had to succumb to the flesh, your pride and say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I need a savior. So this is the first place Jesus started this message for a reason because this is the first place where Christianity begins. You cannot, it is absolutely impossible to enter God's kingdom on the basis of pride. Poor in spirit is the only way in. It's the only way. The door to the kingdom of God is hung at a very low place. And for all of us that are here today, we raised our hand. We say, yes, we're in the faith. We're believers. We're on our way to heaven. Every single one of us, no matter how you got saved or when you got saved or where you were sitting when you got saved, all of us had to come to Christ at a low place and crawl to him. No one came to Christ in this building or watching online from a place of arrogance and pride. The door to his kingdom is hung very low. It's the life verse of our pastor emeritus, John 3.30, that I would decrease and get smaller and smaller and that God and his uh, majesty and glory and who he is would increase in my life. No one comes to Christ from a place or a throne of pride and arrogance. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And you have to understand that much of what Jesus is teaching here in the Beatitudes, much of this feels like a mountain to climb. It's a thing that you must ascertain. He tells you to go after it, to pursue it. Later on, we'll look at a verse that calls us all to live perfect lives for me to be perfect. Now, I know Winston Parrish. David, I know me. I know what the requirements of Scripture say. It's not a mistake. It's in there for a reason. It's on purpose. It's in context. But I know me. How is that possible? How can I be perfect? Well, you can't. That's the point. 
But those who are poor in spirit, that is part of being poor. That is part of your poverty is that you can't do it on your own, that you come to him poor in spirit. And part of our issue, our massive stare you in the face issue with modern Christianity is that there's so little self emptying. There's so many books and resources on how to be filled with joy, how to be filled with the spirit, how to be filled with this, with that, how to be fulfilled. There needs to be more of how to be empty of me. I don't need to be filled with more of Winston and his capability and his understanding. I need as little of me as possible and as much of Jesus as I possibly can ascertain before I go home to heaven. I want to know more of him and I want to be less of me that I would continue to decrease every day of my life. That's poor in spirit. But modern adaptations of what authentic Christianity is depends on pride that you're able to do something, speak it into existence, talk about it enough and it'll happen. It's a good feeling and it may feel good and it may make you feel warm and fuzzy. Oh, I spoke this into existence or I, I had enough positive energy and I, I kept my head above water and I didn't listen to the doubters and I kicked the haters to the side. That all sounds great, but that is a position of pride and not one that Jesus said to come to me poor in spirit. So if we know that this word makarios, happy, humble, satisfied, blessed is the word. If that word blessed means all of that, and we know that this poor in spirit is wrapped in humility, then what Jesus is saying here in this first beatitude is happy are the humble. Happy are the humble. Satisfied are the meek in spirit, the lowly. Happy are the humble. And we cannot be humble. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot be humble until we get our nose out of the air and our eyes in the mirror looking and realizing who we really are. You cannot be poor in spirit and prideful at the same time. It does not work. And in the life of an authentic believer, an authentic Christian, humility is our claim. It's who we are. It's who we're supposed to be. So this poverty of spirit, how does the scripture, how does the Bible define poor in spirit? There's two things you must embrace to understand being poor in spirit. Number one is the meaning, the true meaning of what Jesus was saying here. The second is the measure, the meaning and the measure. The first, the meaning, poor in spirit. If you're making notes, this is where you want to get your pen hot and ready. Poor in spirit. This is the opposite of self-sufficiency. This is spiritual poverty that includes deep humility. And what it does is it makes Winston Parrish recognize exactly who Winston Parrish is. And when I recognize who I am, that immediately I understand that apart from God, I am completely, totally, absolutely spiritually bankrupt. I have nothing apart from God. 
You can have all the money in this world. You can have all the fame, all the recognition. You can have a massive online following of 6.24 million people and be as happy in that as you possibly can be with all the money and all the attention at the end of the day. That is not happiness and contentment. That is not what Jesus was talking about. Spiritual poverty that I have nothing without Jesus. And this describes me. This is who I am. This is Winston Blake Haynes Parish to a T. Spiritually bankrupt. That I am nothing without my God. I have nothing to offer without Jesus. He's everything. And I am nothing. And see, the point is, I cannot be filled until I'm empty. I can't. I can't be filled until I'm empty. And I can't be uh, worthless is such a strong word. But at the end of the day, apart from Christ, Brother Bill, I am truly, as the Bible says, filthy rags. I truly need Jesus. He's everything. But I have to be empty of myself. Poor in spirit. And ladies and gentlemen, without Jesus, without the indwellment of the Holy Spirit, without salvation... I would be destitute, I would be broken, I would be damned, and I would be on my way to an eternity separated from God in hell. That is the facts. That's who Winston Parish is without Jesus. On my best day, it would still be nothing compared to who God is without Jesus. And what this verse does is it points to the glaring need, the glaring need of salvation by grace, through faith. It's so simple, church, but you need to know that you know that your name's been recorded in the Lamb's book of life. Do not play a game with your eternal security. And maybe part of the problem in life, maybe part of your revolving issues is the fact that you have put your faith, hope, and trust in an emotion, in an experience, in a tear shed, a card signed. But at the end of the day, you know and God knows that you need to be saved. But you cannot have access to the satisfaction, the happiness, and the kingdom that Christ is speaking about without being born again. You must be born again. Poor in spirit. These are people who found out that they were lost so they could be found. Jesus said, blessed are the people who are poor. He said, what kind of poverty is this? Well, Jesus tells you, poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. Now let's take that term poor, that word poor. You've got to understand this word that Jesus is using specifically here in this verse. Poor in spirit. The word poor, it's a very interesting word. It's a verb. And in Greek, it has a very, very defined uh, tone. It's a strong definition. It means to shrink from something or to shrink from someone. The word is tokos. Tokos. Say that word with me. Tokos. Again, tokos. Jesus is, Jesus is saying, blessed are the tokos of spirit, the poor in spirit. And what it means is that you literally beg. It means that you cringe and that you cower 
like a beggar does. The old Greek referred to it as one who is reduced to begging, who crouches in the corner of a dark wall to beg for alms. Furthermore, it indicates that the reason he or she begs is that they do not want to be recognized because of their shame. He's so desperately ashamed that he can't even allow his identity to be known. He hides in piles of scattered debris. His only possessions in this world are rubbish in which he uses to hide from the recognition of people who are walking by. He's been reduced to beg. This poor here is the same poor tokas that was used in Luke chapter 16 when it said Lazarus the beggar. That's what it means. That's what this word means, to beg. It's not just poor. It's a poor that makes you beg. And you must know that there is another word in Scripture in the New Testament that identifies someone that is poor. That word is pens, P-E-N-S, pens. But pens is a different type of poverty. Pens is a general poverty This is someone that has overlapping access to resources. We would call that today living paycheck to paycheck. And sometimes you come up short. But Jesus isn't using the word pins. He's using the word tokas. That you have to beg. You're reduced to nothing but begging. You have no ability to earn a living on your own. You cannot earn a living. You cannot make your own money. This is the type of poor Jesus was using. It means you're totally dependent on the gift of somebody else. David, don't you get ahead of me. It means that you are totally dependent on the gift of somebody else. This begging is all that you've got. You've got no skill, you've got no resources, you've got nothing. And in many cases, you're blind, you're deaf, you're dumb, you're crippled, and you mean nothing to society. This is the type of poor that Jesus was talking about. Not just poor. Tokas poor. The position, the place, and the posture of a beggar. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who are tokas. Satisfied are the beggars. Happy are the beggars. Fulfilled internally with all that they could ever need are the beggars. But how could this be? Is this a mistake? Is this another word that Jesus should have not used? No, it's exactly what it's supposed to say. It's exactly the word that Jesus used on purpose. And it's the position in which he expects us who claim to be followers of this master to assume. The position, the place, and the posture of Tokas, the beggar. How can this be? Here we are back in what seems to be a paradox. How can someone be happy and be a beggar? Remember, Jesus is speaking of the spiritual and not the physical. Don't let anyone ever tell you that this verse means that God wants you to be poor. 
that God wants you to be strapped every day. Well, I'll look there. He's got a new truck. That could have gone to missions. Hey, that's a form of legalism. That's not what he's talking about. I pray to God that every family in this church become multimillionaires. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the position and the place of your heart, not your earthly possessions. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus is saying, blessed, happy are the destitute, the cowering, those beggars. A second part of this verse, it's so important. You can't stay here. You've got to go on. The second part of this verse says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Makarios are the tokas in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's saying, blessed, happy, satisfied are the beggars who will inherit it all. How can this be? Because it's exactly what he means. He's lowly of spirit. Both of these expressions, Matthew's using an expression here that only Matthew uses, the kingdom of heaven. This is a substitute for one of God's names. And what you've got to remember, I've heard Ralph Sexton, my granddaddy, say all my life, we're not Jewish enough to understand our Bible. He's right. Matthew was writing to lean in to the Jewish reader. And even today, Jewish people will not write out the name God. If they're writing it in English, they'll write G hyphen D. The same thing's happening here. Matthew is not saying the name of God. He is using a different name out of respect to his Jewish audience. And only Matthew uses this expression, the kingdom of heaven. And he's just accommodating their sensitivities. But both expressions, the kingdom of heaven, the rest of scripture that refers to the kingdom of God. Both of these expressions refer to the kingdom, the realm of God's dominion over those who belong to him. But ladies and gentlemen, this inheritance is a two-fold kingdom. The kingdom is now, and it's made manifest in the rule of hearts of people who believe. That is part of the now kingdom. But there is coming one day, praise God, a kingdom, a physical kingdom that will be established here on earth where Jesus Christ will reign and rule. Jerusalem will be the eternal capital of that city and the 12 tribes of Israel and those of us who believe will rule with him as joint heirs. This is a twofold kingdom. And Jesus is saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, the beggars, for they will inherit it all. They get it all. They get eternal life and they get to be joint heirs with Jesus. Partakers in the divine nature. Beggars who are on the street of spiritual poverty, but who own everything. For their master has the city with streets of gold and walls of jasper and gates of pearl. But they're low in spirit. They're poor in spirit. Book of Daniel talks about this kingdom. Daniel mentions so many times, he talks about Nebuchadnezzar in the times of the Gentile rule. He points to the God of heaven setting up this kingdom. The kingdom is now in our hearts and the kingdom is coming. But the qualifier for both is what's been said in almost every one of these authentic Christianity messages. And that is this, to partake, to be qualified, to be a part of this system is to be saved, to be born again 
and on your way to heaven. Blessed are the beggars. Happy are the beggars who inherit it all. That's the meaning. Now the measure. How do we measure our poverty in spirit? How do we measure if we're poor in spirit? One way that we can measure our poverty in spirit is to assess how we really see ourselves. How do you see yourself? What is my perception of me? What is your perception of you? How do you think of yourself? And where do you put yourself in this life? Jesus said that the position you're supposed to take is that of a beggar. And if your place, your position, and your posture is different than that of the beggar in the street who's begging for alms, then it's time, according to Scripture, for you to come off the seat of arrogance and high-mindedness and join Jesus in the position of lowliness in spirit. How do I think of myself? Do I think better of myself than you? Because I'm standing here and you're sitting there? No. I've been given a position in the kingdom. This isn't about me. This is about him. Our Sunday school teachers are men and women that are full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. It's not about a position to rule and reign and to manipulate the lives of people. This is given by God. This belongs to him. This pulpit, this message, the words coming out of my mouth don't belong to me. This is a message from God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So how do I see myself as a pastor? How do I see myself as a husband? How do I see myself as a member of this church? Do I look at others and go, hmm, hmm, glad I'm not like that. Oh, I saw her hand up worshiping today, but I know the real story. I would never it sounds a lot like that. Can I tell you what that is? That is the flesh of human existence, the pride of life. It's part of our curse. It comes all the way from the Garden of Eden where things got out of control. And Jesus said, if you belong to me, you'll be as a beggar. And when a beggar gets brought into a place like this to be with people like this, do you know what happens to that beggar? They become grateful. You feed someone that's hungry. You give somebody clothes that's not had any. What should happen next is a heart of gratitude that changes the expressions on their face. The attitude is different. They know that they're a beggar, yet they have a seat at the table. And at the head of that table is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And all around are other beggars who are simply reaching out with their shamed arm and said, I need grace and I need mercy and I need something I can't do with myself. I am Tokas and I need the king to grant me my inheritance of eternal life and a life of authentic faith in this world. Blessed are the poor in spirit. 
So how do I know what is my measure of this poverty? Number one, look at how you perceive yourself. Secondly, this is so simple. We mentioned it earlier, Matthew 5, 48. Here's the goal. Here is the qualifier. Here's what's been told to us that we are to do and who we're to be. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. How, how, Mark, how can I be perfect? How? I can't. But Jesus Christ is perfect. His sacrifice on my cross when he paid for my sin was perfect. And now when the Father looks at me who is imperfect, he sees the perfect blood of Jesus Christ applied to my life. No more, Jimmy, does he see my imperfections, my sin, and who I was before. He sees the blood of his son applied to the life of a beggar who could never deserve it. That word pins is so important. That poverty is a type of poverty that you can work for. It's a type of poverty that allows you to work to obtain what you need. I'm so thankful that Jesus said to cost poor and not pens poor. Any religion that says that you should work for your salvation, any religion that says that you can do enough good deeds, any religion that says you can give enough to earn favor with God, didn't read the words that Jesus said. He said you're incapable on your own. You're not pens poor. You're tokas poor. And there's nothing you can do in your own ability, capability, or understanding to obtain the grace and the mercy that you need. You see, I'm completely dependent, Saeed, on the loving kindness of my Savior. And when I put the perfection that I'm required to live in that I cannot obtain... And I look at things like the Ten Commandments and how many times I've even broken those commandments. And then if I keep in mind that Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then I take this verse on perfection and I look at me, it makes me even more of a beggar. I so need him. But James says if we've broken one of God's laws, we've broken them all. And we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So in closing, as we read and we absorb these beatitudes, we take them apart and we ask God to inspect our hearts. What is it that I can do today? How can I become poor in spirit? The first thing you've got to do is view everything through the cross of Calvary. You have to remain grateful for what he did. Worship and that lifestyle of worship is how pride stays subdued. If you're so busy praising God for who he is and for what he is and for what he has done for you in your life, it's hard for everything to become about you and your pride. 
so you can embrace today a different lifestyle of worship. And then you need to come to him and need to defile spiritual bankruptcy. That God, I need you. I need you. And when Christians live in a pattern that involves sin in their life, no matter what that sin is, cheating, lying, greed, lust, whenever we step away from who we're supposed to be, oftentimes we will attempt to punish ourselves. We'll say, well, I messed up again, so what I'm going to do is get up in the morning and I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and I'm going to spend two hours in my Bible and then I'll pray for an hour and I'll give an extra $10 in the offering plate on Sunday. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not what Jesus desires of us. That's nothing more than religious exercise and it is a form of pride because you know what you're saying? I'm pens poor. I can work this off. No, you cannot. You desperately need to come to him and beg for the help. God, I've come to the end of this rope. I'm so tired of this addiction. I'm begging you for the help. God, I can't be perfect. I can't do this in my own right. I need you to give me the grace, the mercy, and the faith to be different. That's the measure of that poverty. Authentic Christianity, the blessed life, is total, complete dependence on God. Norman, can I tell you something about why I love this? It takes so much out of my control. And it allows me an opportunity for God to get more glory in my life by my posture, my position, and in the way I come to Jesus. This is who we are, church. And this is what Jesus said was to be of Christians, authentic Christians. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. Heavenly Father, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for this truth. God, thank you for the power of your word. God, for the understanding of just who it is I am apart from you. And God, what is available for me in the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, today as we allow the word of God to penetrate our hearts, to examine our hearts, as the Holy Spirit of God has put things to our mind that need to change in our life. God, today we would pray that we would surrender. God, if there's someone here dealing with an attitude of arrogance, God, today that they would surrender and come back to the position of a beggar. God, for someone that's dealing with pride, God, that sees themselves in a different place than that of what you described, God, I pray today would be the day. God, that you would give us all a fresh understanding of who we are 
and a real glimpse of the power, the glory, and the majesty of our God. Lord, thank you that we have access to this sermon that Jesus preached. Now, Father, we've heard the word. May we now be doers of the word. God, we want to change. We do not want status quo anymore. God, we want to be different. The culture of our church wants to be that of one that embraces the word of God. Father, that we would be tender to the word of God. God, that it wouldn't take months and years of harsh correction. But God, that we would be tender to respond to the Holy Spirit the first time. And God, if there's someone here today that God, you are dealing with their heart, allow them an opportunity to surrender. God, if there is someone under the sound of my voice, whether they be here in this auditorium or whether they be watching online, and they're lost and undone without Jesus, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would convict them and that today would be their day of salvation. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word. And thank you for the inheritance of this twofold kingdom that we, the poor in spirit, the beggars, have access to. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen and amen. Thank you for being with us this morning as you are, have been in this message. What a great message. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are those that realize their position and know what a great God that we serve. So I hope this has encouraged you this morning. I hope that God has spoken to your heart. I pray that you'll stay in the Word, continue to study. We're looking forward to meeting back again tonight at 5 o'clock. Meet us back tonight at 5 o'clock. If you have something that you want to tell us, you have something a praise report, a prayer request, there's going to be a, a number on your screen, an email address that you can email us, write us, call us, and let us know how God is moving in your life. Make plans to be back with us tonight at 5 o'clock. God bless you. We'll see you in a little while.